1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to My Millennial Money Professional. My is Dev Raga, and in this episode, we have a very special guest. We have Ben from Forever Vacations, who's actually the owner and operator of a private tour company that does a lot of tours around the world, mainly in Southeast Asia, but I noticed they're expanding in North America. And the reason I invited Ben over to this episode is usually, yes, we do talk about money and we talk about finances and we talk about investing. But I actually went for a holiday with my family earlier this year and we chose Forever Vacations for our private tours and it's the first time that I've used their company and I really found their service exceptional. So I thought when I come back to Australia, I need to find out a little bit about their business and how they do it. So welcome Ben from Forever Vacations.
2: Thanks Deb, I appreciate you having me.
1: Ben, what we'll do, we'll talk a little bit about yourself, how you started the company and also what the future holds and some of the things that I found very interesting and useful during the uh, private tours. You ready to get started? Let's do it. Okay, let's get started. If you want any specific questions or comments answered, don't hesitate to contact me on Twitter or on Facebook and remember the three main aims of this channel, education, empowerment and entertainment. So, Ben, I mean, like I said, I think I contacted you a couple of months ago because we went to Thailand, to Bangkok and Phuket and a couple of other places and we used your private tour company and I just Googled private tour company and your sort of company came up as number one on Google search. That's how I found out about it. So just for open disclosure, I don't have any equity stake in forever vacations. I'm not related to Ben. It was just pretty random and spontaneous Tell us a little bit about how you started Forever Vacations and why did you do it?
2: Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Steph, for having me. Yeah, so it's an interesting thing. I never, I was always a passionate traveler, but I never thought that travel would be in the the cards for me on the on the business front. So my background, personally, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Actually, a finance major. Went to work for financial wealth manager out of college and ended up quitting it pretty quick about a year year and a half after to start my own business so I'm a serial entrepreneur mainly with a background in marketing and technology and my my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, Janie, we took a vacation. We were living in Vietnam, traveling around Southeast Asia. Always been fascinated with travel and around Southeast Asia and Europe, and um, we we never been to Bali, so we figured let's take a trip to Bali. And at that time, I was doing some marketing consulting and some we we're we were building some mobile apps as well. And when I went out to Bali, I was just. Amazed at Indonesia in general, but Bali as an island is gorgeous, not only just because of the attractions and and the beautiful views, but also people and people are really special in Bali. And if you've ever been there, you know, you it's one of the things that people rave about. And we, we quickly met some friends kind of out there. We, we were there for a week and we just ended up talking to the staff that was around. And we actually went on a couple of tours and, you know, to be honest, the tours themselves, themselves weren't that great. It was a little bit, it was very local. It didn't have like a real, more of a premium experience, which you can understand in some of these developing islands, but, but the one thing that we noticed were the guides and the people were just so nice. So, you know, we actually ended up staying instead of a week, we stayed up for a month and a few months in Bali. And we started making friends with some of these local guides and uh, people living there. And with our marketing background and technology, it was something that we wanted to, you know, we, we heard from them that it was really difficult for them to get tours. And we knew that we could sell and do marketing online. And we knew that they would be great at, you know, showing people around their, their beautiful home. So that's kind of, you know, the short of it, how it conception. And we started, we hacked up together a quick website that's completely different now, but started throwing it out there, doing some SEO, some search engine optimization, and some Google ads, and we started getting some tours, and that's kind of how it started back in 2018.
1: That's so interesting. So you're a wealth guy.
2: Yes. Yeah, I was a yeah, finance major, and yeah, I thought I was gonna be a financial analyst or something. And and that was kind of my, my side. I always had a passion about marketing, but um, yeah, after being kind of in the office in Boston after a while, and I just I saw the people that I was around and people that were 40, 50, 60 years old that have been there for a while and and, you know, nothing Nothing bad about that, but it was just something that I just didn't see myself doing. So I knew I wanted to always be nomadic, and I knew I valued freedom financially, but also, you know, uh, location-based. I didn't want to have to always be stuck somewhere. So instantly, everything that we created, and, and still with Forever Vacation now, it's something that we continuously travel around the world. We're not. We don't have a set office or one location where we always are. A lot
1: of my listeners do travel a lot of them do travel internationally. Mm. But you're kind of living the dream in terms of traveling but working it really is kind of a dream come true. And from a financial background, I'm actually quite surprised. And I didn't know that about you started a touring company, which was very, very fascinating. Do you still do any wealth or financial stuff at all? Do you utilize any of those skills or is it just purely forever vacations and that's it? Yeah,
2: it's mainly so forever vacation in terms of like, you know, our day to day and our passion. That's what we're working on. Of course, I still do some individual investing. I know you're a fan of, uh, I think you mentioned before Vanguard. I have some stuff in mutual funds. I, I do some crypto. I have One of my buddies has a financial startup that I invested in a bit too. So yeah, definitely a bit, but more on the side as a hobby. But in terms of my full work and where all my energy is going, it's on forever vacation now.
1: And when you did work as a financial analyst and you mentioned Boston, were you with one of the Sort of big accounting firms or big financial firms back home, or
2: yeah. So it was with Brown Brothers Harriman. It was custodian management. Yeah. So you know, my goal was I wanted to be down to be like a trader or an analyst and and go through all that, and then I just realized the the tests you need to take, and also just kind of the day to day grind was. I don't mind the grind. I just I just hate being in one place and and that kind of market. You need to be in those offices and and whatnot. So yeah, it was something that. I still have a passion about. I just didn't want to do it on those terms.
1: That's really fascinating. That's really fascinating. Now, one of the things that that I noticed, so when we travel mainly abroad and, you know, COVID it kind of put a damp on that for a couple of years, but we always look for private individual tours. We tend not to go to group tours because, you know, got a family and all that sort of stuff. And it's a lot easier. And I noticed that your tours, I think almost all of your tours, if I'm not mistaken, are private tours. So they're very much for families or groups where essentially you've got one person who's privately escorting people. And in my case, it's family of four. Why did you go that route as opposed to the traditional route, which was, you know, a bunch of people get on a boat, Twenty twenty five people, and there's a group tour, and you meet all these other people. So why take this approach?
2: Yeah, I think that's actually probably the reason why we created the company. I think um, when you when you think about traditional tours, you know, for me, I always look at like the group, and there's like a leader with like a flag, and they're like walking in groups, and it's just. They're getting shoved onto a bus or a boat or into a van. I just always hated that experience because I also, if I'm going on a vacation, like I want to be in control of what I'm doing and I want to have the freedom and I don't mind paying for it, but I want to be held back by other people or other itineraries or whatnot. So, you know, one of the things too is in group tours, it's really tough as a company to control the experience for our guests because a guest that could be, you know, in our tour, could be disturbing another guest with either loud music or being rude or something, right? So we can't control the experience. We wanted to have control over the experience and ensure that our guests have a great time. I also, you know, Jane and I wanted to create something that we would use as well. So when I talk about those, you know, those group tours, it was just something that always looked horrible. And I felt like tours get a bad rep or a bad name like what we're trying to do you know when we came into this market we wanted to make it more experience based so it's more about the experience it's more about being with a local not as necessarily a tour guide but as like a friend as well as a tour guide for the day another one of the things that we focus on a lot is helping to take nice photos right some of our leading tours we had these tours called which i think you took a couple in bangkok one in bangkok and one in as well, we have Instagram tours. And that's kind of our main product, our most popular product in each of our destinations where of course we focus on culture and food and a great itinerary, but we also take you to some of the top highlighted spots and our guides will help to take nice photos for you. Because the worst thing is when you're on a vacation with your family or your loved ones and you're trying to take a selfie, you're asking some random person if you can take a photo and you yeah, know, those just exploded for us. Our Instagram tours are our top selling tours. But for us, yeah, we have no group tours. It's not something we want to enter into. I think, you know, we know our customer well, and it's a niche that I think we're, we do very, you know, we we do well at and, you know, customers who are paying more money like yourself or whatnot for a private tour, they have a, a different expectation as well too. So for us, you know, that's the market that we like. We can control the experience, we can customize stuff, make beautiful, bespoke, unique tours that, you know, it's it's easy for them to share and refer us, you know, in the future to their friends and family.
1: Yeah, so that's one It's one of the things we really enjoyed about that because it was very relaxed. You know, we weren't rushed. And, of course, as a family, we've got young kids. So one of the first things the tour guides told us was, hey, look, you've got young kids, you don't have to stick The itinerary and the time. If you want to just vary it a little bit, if you want to have a stopover, you know, have a lunch at a specific place, then yeah, that's fine as well. We never really felt that we were rushed. And I'll pick up on the point about the photographing. So we hadn't actually realized that. Yeah. But I cannot stress how much importance that is because essentially all the photos that we took we were all taking it as a family. So finally, that we had the tour guide able to take photos of us as a family so we don't have to, you know, me taking the photos of my wife and two kids and then swapping over and then sort of running around. We went to this sort of railway market tour, running around for the train to come in and all that. It was all kind of handled really, really well. And I think that was really, really interesting. And it's probably the first time that I've experienced that a tour guide takes that responsibility and, you know, takes some really amazing photos.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important thing and it's something that we didn't necessarily expect at first, right? Like, especially now though, we have a lot of solo travelers and couples. Now people will bring multiple outfits to change because they want nice photos and, you know, especially with just the market and the social media, how it is now, it's like, if you didn't take a photo, then it didn't happen. And especially for families, right? Instead of you having to jump out, you know, one thing that, Anybody can take photos in general, but our guides are trained on how to take nice photos, nice angles, and also not not feel like you have to ask them. Like our our guides are also trained to you know ask, hey, you guys want to take a photo? You know, because sometimes you feel weird asking somebody, but for them, it, it's really it's something that they enjoy doing. You know, it makes a tour. There's there's different aspects of that tour where I feel like if it's just culture based or just food based, and it's just like a boring. This is this. This is this. If there's not that element of photography with like a nice mix it can get a bit boring. So I think with us, we we offer a variety of different things in that tour. So you do get the photos, you do get the information, you do get to see the highlights, you get that flexible experience. And I think that's why we've done well so far is because we are flexible with our customers and try to personalize it to the best for them.
1: How long has Forever Vacations
2: existed for? Yeah, let me, I'll give you a a quick kind of of background on that so you can kind of see the scale of, of what we're at. So we started at the end of 2018, which is kind of the idea. Got a junky website up at the end of 2018. We start to, you know, grow pretty fast. We're just in Bali at that time. A few months later, we open Malaysia. We're in seven countries now, mainly Southeast Asia and in the U.S. as well. But then, you know, we start growing pretty well and then all of a sudden COVID comes. So after that great growth, we go back down to zero. But the good thing, I think, where we did well is we didn't stop any of our, like, uh, SEO marketing, so search engine optimization. We spent money on our team. That's more of a long-term kind of thing. Well, whereas why you type us on Google, maybe we'll come up first or we'll be at the top. It could be a variety of either Google ads or you know SEO ranking. So we spent a lot of money into that, into time into that. And then when COVID actually, where, where most people were probably downsizing and you know spending less money, we we actually turned it on and spent more. And when things started to open up, you know, last year. We just kind of skyrocketed. So now we typically do about seven hundred to twelve hundred private tours every month across all of our destinations. Wow. Okay. That's massive growth and post pandemic growth, I'm sure. Correct. Definitely there's that uh, the revenge travelers coming on. So yeah, it's you know, and it's it's different too because we if we're having let's say fifty tours in one day, we also don't want to make it look like we're just, you know, putting people in and getting them out. We really have to have a customized, personalized experience for each of our guests and groups. So that's super important to us.
1: Now I think your website says that you only use local guides, so obviously... You, you still reside, your, your main residential place is the United
2: States. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to joke that we're homeless because we really just, we're typically traveling. You know, I go back to the US once a year. It's still my residence out there, but we also have, you know, we generally stay in hotels uh, across Southeast Asia. Or we'll rent out a villa or something. So, but yes, mainly, mainly in, the, in the US, but we always use local guides in each of our destinations. So, um, you know, they're going to be somebody that's generally from that, that town or they've moved there and they're from that country. they lived there for a while. How do you find them? So at this point now, we have about 160 guides total across our company. And I think when I look back at that 160, it can all be connected to probably about seven or eight people. So every time we open a destination, we really put a lot of time and effort in finding a leader in that local market. Somebody who we spend a lot of time with, that we trust, that we teach. And then from there, as we have that leader they're the ones that will then start to build our team. Janie and I still, we're still very hands on. So we'll still try to interview every, every guide ourselves personally, just to make sure that the quality is there and the communications there. But we entrust our local leaders in each of the destinations to help us to build that team and to, and to find those guides.
1: And do you then subcontract your guides or your leaders or are they employed by your business or how does that work? Yeah,
2: so it's a good question. We we use a mix of, we kind of have a mix and a variety depending on each uh, country. So our leaders, most of them are full-time with us. And then tour guides, we have a mix between some freelance and then some full-time guides as well. Even our freelance guides, they generally tend to, um, so freelance meaning they could take our tours or maybe, right? They would also take tours from a different company if they, if they got asked. Um, there's some countries where. It's not really normal to be a full-time guide because, you know, there's high seasons, there's low seasons. So companies don't tend to pay full-time salaries, especially on lower season if there's no tours. So generally we have a, a mix. I would say like our, typically our top one to 10 guides could be on more of a full-time basis. And then after that we would work with freelance guides, but they still have to go through the same training. And most of the freelance guides will still take tours with us first. They'll kind of give us like the first right. If we have a tour, um, then if not, they might, take a tour with a different company.
1: Also, our tour guides, we we also had a driver and we also had a car as part of the tour guide. And I think most of your tours have that sort of system. So the drivers and the car... Is that a, like a separate subcontractor or do they also work with Forever Vacations? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so it's in, it depends on the market as well. Like so Bali we own some of the cars and some of the and some of the other locations we have subcontractors as well. So it all depends on the policies uh, as well from each country. So for example, in Thailand you can't in most places let's say in Bangkok, you can't be a guide and also a driver just due to local regulations. You need to have a separate car so you need to have a separate driver legally and a tour guide, as separate, whereas maybe in Kuala Lumpur or Bali, it's okay to have a, you know, a guy who's a driver and also the the guide as well. So, but the cars, you know, we, we, we went through the costs and we went through like the estimates of that. It just wouldn't make sense financially from a business um, to actually buy the cars, especially with all the different legal and local regulations. It's very complicated when you start to get into owning assets out there and whatnot. So, for us, you know it's a lot easier for us we as long as they still you know pass our checks in terms of quality, we can work with a supplier out there that can help us to provide the cost for the cars or provide the cars and then it's just a lot easier that way we don't have to worry about maintenance or or petrol or any of that kind of stuff. We have our cost, and then they'll just supply us based on that
1: so essentially, when I book a tour with you guys, then the tour guide sort of is, gets allocated. And is it up to the tour guide to then find a particular driver or car? Or is it just basically that tour guide works with that driver in the car and it's going to be the same combo every time?
2: Yeah, again, everything is, is very separate. It depends. We, so we have our suppliers. So typically they would use cars that we would or companies that we would approve. However, some of our top guides, they have relationships with drivers and as well as those cars kind of pass the quality checks then we would go through them. The thing that's really interesting that we're still always learning is like we, we started this in Bali and then we went out to KL and then Viet, or Kuala Lumpur and then Vietnam and then Singapore and, and you start to see all these different regulations, right? So it's something that's super difficult to navigate these as, you know, when we have our idea of what we're doing in Bali and how we want to set up something and then you go into somewhere like Thailand and it's completely different, right? So like, you, you know, certain guides you need, it's illegal not to have a license as a tour guide. Whereas other countries... They don't even really have a tour guide license and anybody can kind of be a tour guide, quote unquote. So it's something that we're like, you know, it's four years old, the company where we're growing fast and we're constantly trying to kind of navigate what what what's best for us. But for us, it's relationships are super important. So for our suppliers that have these great cars, nice cars, and, and, and they tend to give us a, a bit of a better price because we give them consistent work. So for us, it's, it's better for us to try to give a, a handful of people a lot of work rather than a lot of people a little work. And we can just get better deals and better quality or their guides and drivers.
1: No worries. So does that mean that you have to register your business? in each of these countries? So some of
2: the countries, so we have we have a split. So right now we're in about three of the countries we have local companies as well. And then the other countries we can partner with uh, local companies who can help us with the insurance and whatnot. But I think the, ultimately the goal, we, usually there's kind of a two-pronged approach. So when we start a new destination, We tend to do a a partnership with a a registered company that we can work with that can help us out with insurance etc suppliers and then as we get bigger we tend to to create our own company so like in indonesia and thailand and and vietnam have our own company and that just is a lot better in terms of you know just we control more uh we know we have more flexibility in, in what we do and the rates that we get so yeah again it's really different but ultimately the the main goal is for us to eventually have our own local company in each of these places.
1: And sticking to the theme of tour guides, obviously most of your destinations are in Southeast Asia at the moment, I think, if I looked at the website, but you do have evolving destinations in North America. Is it still the same system in North America with private tours or is that different there because the cost would be quite expensive? How would you navigate that?
2: Yeah, so the system's still the same. I think when when we started the company, we really tried to be – Like more of a, of course we're a tour operator, but one thing that we really focus on is technology and, um, in marketing and customer service. So everything is similar in the US, it's just the pricing is a bit higher. But for us like just so you can see on the back end when you're when you're operating let's say over a 1000 tours a month, you know, Jane and I used to do everything by hand, we'd call up guides if they're available, we would go back and forth and that now we have our own custom built technology software. So every, every tour guide has a portal. So when we have a new tour for them, we assign it, they get an instant message to their phone. They can then confirm the job, they can see all the details, the hotel pickup, any special notes if somebody's allergic etc so same thing in, in the us right we have our guides out there we'll still assign the guides as usual and then they will you know say, same kind of thing but you're you're talking you know big difference in price right so if it's let's say a phuket instagram tour it might be 109 119 per person where in, you're in the car, you're that private driver. Where in Boston you could go on a walking tour, it's still private, but it's four forty nine a person for walking for a four hour tour versus you know an, an eight hour driving tour in Phuket for one hundred and nineteen. So the biggest thing that changes for us is the cost, but the system and the communication. It's still the same, and and one thing that we really do focus on, and I, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, and you had this when you came on our tour, Deb, is our WhatsApp group is super important. So every time we have a a new guest, we create a WhatsApp group, and most people have WhatsApp, and if they don't, if they don't want to be on WhatsApp or they don't want to communicate on WhatsApp, we'll still do email. But one thing that I think has has where we've had our success too is that constant communication. You know, if you're traveling from Australia to Phuket, you know, that might be scary for some people as well, too. It's a new country for them. They haven't been there. So for us, the first thing that we do is when a guest creates a a guest books a tour, we instantly create a WhatsApp group for them. And we're going to, you know, introduce ourselves. We're going to send them schedules. We introduce them to their guides. We even go above and beyond to the point where if they're sick at their hotel and they need medicine, we'll go out and get it for them. We'll just offer, or even, you know, we have guests that are still, even this is great. You you wrote out to me, You know, after the experience you had, and we're still talking today, which is great. And I think a lot of that, you know, maybe you would have never reached out if we just sent an email and said, "Hey, Dev, thanks for coming on our tour," or "Hey, here's a schedule. Your driver will pick you up at eight o'clock." But because there was more like a personalized experience, I think it helps us bond a lot more with our customers and our our guests, and and give them like a really memorable and unforgettable experience.
1: Yeah, I I was going to say about the WhatsApp group. That was something interesting. And basically, I started communicating via the WhatsApp group probably a a week or two prior to the tour and I ask basic questions like I'm thinking about going from the airport to the hotel you know what's the best options and things like that and in Bangkok they have um, you know supervised hotel services which is great. It's almost as if the tour started a week or two prior to the actual day. Again I've never had anyone like I said we've traveled overseas we've had tours no one's ever done that. Very, very unique. And there's something about WhatsApp that makes the communication better. It's not the same as text messaging. It's different. And we had a WhatsApp group for Bangkok. We had a WhatsApp group for Phuket. We had a WhatsApp group for this tour, that tour, because the guides were different. And what was really good about that was that at the end of the day, you know, they would summarize the tour. The guides would say, hey, hope you had a great day. Here's a few shots from the tour. It's almost as if closing that feedback loop. You've had a long day, you've had dinner, you come back to your hotel room and there's a few WhatsApp messages from the tour guide saying, thank you very much for using us. These are all the experiences you've had. And it almost closes that feedback loop. It's like little additional touches that goes a long way in making that experience. So it's it's not just a tour. It's kind of like they're part of the family. So so we used Marquis as the um, tour guide, Marquis in in Bangkok, and we also used Bessica in Phuket. And it was almost as if once we had, you know, we did multiple tours with them, and by the end of the tours, it's almost like Bessica was my friend and Marquis was was a great friend and family member of our family. That was very unique. And for me, that is really important because I've got young kids and the last thing I want to do is go through the stress of having to manage the whole day. The whole day was managed just perfectly and I think that that's probably the take-home message from this podcast, that sort of bespoke, unique experience. Now, in terms of your website and your tours, I did notice that you seem to offer a 100% money back guarantee. That's pretty brave in 2023. And I I did go to TripAdvisor and a few other websites to check your ratings. And yeah, you guys have a five-star rating 100% of the time. Just out of interest, has anyone
2: asked for their money back yet? Yeah, I think that's a funny thing. People ask us about that. Like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You know, it's funny. We've operated over 10,000 tours and I think maybe two people. And to be honest, it was one, I think, you know, one was probably somewhere where we messed up and the other one was just a little bit, you know, Hey, they have their opinion, but it was a little bit kind of scammy people that just, you know, they said that I think, I think typically for us, I always wanted to do that when I was younger, I used to see that like money back guarantee on, on, on TV. And I always thought that was an interesting thing. And I think it like, for us, I can get in front of them and say, Hey, I'm Ben, I'm the owner. We're going to give you an amazing experience, right? You, you have all this competition online, And you have all these scams online, unfortunately, and locally. There's scams in Bali, scams in Thailand. There's, you know, people that will say, oh, you can get this cheap price. Here you go. We'll pick you up tomorrow. And they never pick you up. And unfortunately, it happens. And I think for us, like our first goal, our first mission of anything is how can we show that you can trust us as the consumer, as the guest, right? You're, it's not just about the money for people that, you know, are in your audience or like you couple hundred bucks isn't going to break the bank or anything. It's more like you want to spend money, but you want to make sure you have an amazing experience because you're not taking vacations every day with a family. So it has to be really memorable, right? So for us, this money back guarantee, when they see that people are like, you know, it could attract the bad people, right? That are like, Oh, great. I'm going to take this. And then after I'm going to get my money back, but you know, it really, it rarely ever happens. Um, I think a lot of it, it just kind of calms people's nerves down and say, hey, well, who would actually say that if they're not really like, you know, if uh, they don't really believe in their service. So for us, you know, I think it's helped us out a lot more. You know, so if you're looking in terms of a total, 0.001% has probably acted on that. And I think for us, we're also, again, why with this WhatsApp group is it allows us to also correct mistakes uh, or fix mistakes before they happen or b- before they get too big. If you've been on tours before or like we've been on tours, we'll book a tour. And then we get an email and it's just like, thanks for your booking. We'll see you Friday at 8am at the hotel lobby. And like, that's it. Whereas here, like we can see some things. We're not perfect. Sometimes something could happen or we could mess up on our end, but we, we at least have the quick communication where we can jump in and try to fix it and make up for it, right? So that constant communication. But yeah, it's a long-winded response, but for the money-back guarantee, it's definitely helped a lot more than it's hurt.
1: We actually, during our vacation, we actually, I mean, almost all of the tours was through your company, but we actually went on one tour which your company didn't offer that particular location. It wasn't covered by Forever Vacation. So we went on a group tour for that one and we booked it online. But it just like, for example, the payment system, I mean, everything worked out okay, but we had to pay on the day rather than having to pay beforehand. I mean, I don't want to carry thousands of bucks in my wallet on the day. I don't want to do that because this was like a snorkeling experience or something like that. You know, I don't want to do all that. And it's just a bit of a hassle. I'd much rather pay up front using Australian dollars via a website where I know it's relatively secure than having to exchange money and go there. It sure is a little bit cheaper, but to me it was such a pain in the ass. But overall, I mean, I must say the group tour was was okay. It wasn't it wasn't bad or anything. It's just that additional touches was a bit of a pain for us. Yeah. That was a different group, Ben, just to be absolutely sure. So that wasn't forever vacations, but it was interesting that we went with this other group. It was just sort of the stock standard email response, meet us at this place at this hour, all that sort of stuff. Yeah.
2: Right. And I was going to say, I think the other thing too, that you mentioned about the money is one of our things, if you look at all of our tours, our t- to- all of our tours are private and all inclusive. So all inclusive in the sense of anything you see on the schedule is included. If there's an entrance fee, if there's a lunch, uh, it's included. I think that's a that's a big thing. It's one of the reasons that came out of a necessity. I remember I hate 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 converting money. It's like the worst thing ever because then we've been scammed before in Bali or in Thailand or in Vietnam, like money exchanges. It's just it's just a it's a shitty process. There's no good way of doing it at the airport. You can do it. It's a little bit more legit, but then the rates are crazy. And I I just always remember, like for me, I just like to use my credit card everywhere because you know international no fees or any rates. But a lot of these local tour providers or local stands they won't take credit card. So you got to do like, a bank transfer or cash. And I remember for us. We wanted to make sure like other than tip, if they, if, if, our, if our guests would like to tip our guide, everything else in that tour is included. If you see that you're going to an attraction, a temple, a viewpoint, if you're doing ATVing or snorkeling, all the equipment's included. Everything's included in that schedule. And I think that's a really nice thing where people don't have to worry. We, we say you can kind of leave your wallet at home because once you pay for this tour, everything in each of those stops, uh, it's going to be included. Because I just think when you're in a new country, you know, right, $100 is like $2 million in Vietnamese dong and how do you know like what's what and and yeah so I think that's just another thing it's convenience when you're working with you know our type of guests that are more middle to higher kind of budgets it convenience saving time that's usually the most important
1: actually you raise a good point about the all-inclusive I'm a bit of a pain-in-the-ass traveler so I'm vegetarian and I have a very Mm. specific diet so I don't eat egg for example I don't drink alcohol and I don't smoke again before the tour All that was finalized. And at the start of the day, the tour guide assured me, because I'm the only one in my family that's completely vegetarian and my my kids are partially vegetarian, assured me that don't worry, we have got places that are suitable for you. Because for me, that's really important. And all the meals, all the drinks, we went to restaurants, it was all included in that fee. Again, I've never seen A tour company do that on a routine basis so that was really interesting and you're right the fact that i don't have to take my wallet out and you know take my credit card out and pay or take my local currency out it's just so much less hassle you know kudos to the tour guides to actually accommodate my vegetarian request which you know a lot of our listeners might have special diets as well yeah the other thing is I noticed is environmental footprint. So one of the things that when we went on tours, I think the tour guides were very, very appreciative and, and really explained to us that the business practices and their way that they're going to show us things is environmentally conscious. You know, we take care of the environment as opposed to unfortunately and and unfortunately, we have tourists that do come from Western societies to Southeast Asia and unfortunately don't treat the local areas with Probably the respect that it should deserve. And one of the things that I'd like to highlight, which was interesting, is that in Thailand, we went to Thailand and riding elephants, for example, the tour guides were very specific in saying that, yep, we we will take you on a elephant tour, but please don't expect to ride the elephants because it's not something that we appreciate. It's not something that really should be done because it's not nice parading elephants around in public streets with people riding them, although there are companies in Thailand that, that do that. So why did you go this route? Why did you go the environmental route? Because a lot of my listeners are environmentally conscious. I mean, I, I mean, I have solar panels on my roof. I'm trying to be as carbon neutral as possible. Why did you do that? As opposed to. Just go with the flow, which is what the majority of the other tour companies do. Well,
2: I think if if you're going to, you know, money's great in the business and you make money, that's great. But I think you have to be responsible too. And I think you have to leave a, it's your footprint. That's super important. So we can enjoy these things in 20, 30, 40, hundreds of years down the line. And I don't think we're perfect at what we do, but I think it's something that we're constantly thinking about and discussing on how to be better. Like one of the things we want to start to do is get rid of single use plastics. Like it's still something that I hate to do. We, we, we still have plastic bottles in most of our countries. And, you know, we we've, we're we're looking at different options with glass or refillable bottles. And so it's, that's one thing that, you know, we're really trying to be better at, but in terms of like just being, you know, responsible tourism, I think it's, we're the ones that are responsible. A lot, a lot of the travelers, they don't, they don't know they, they come out. They just want to go see an elephant or they want to, you know, go swim with, dolphins and you know they want to touch them and they don't know it's just an exciting thing so i think it's like up to us as the tour operator to kind of educate and to kind of say hey like what's good or what's not so good maybe in regards to the elephants i think that's a you have some places that won't like you you have different sides of the fence so there's people that say riding elephants is it isn't bad for them it's because they're you know, these are huge creatures and riding an elephant's not bad. I think for us, we took the standpoint that it was just something that I just never liked. I think looking at that, it just doesn't look good. So when you look at Thailand, Thailand's really good at their ethical sanctuaries. A lot of them are, are very ethical. But then you have other places like Bali. There's you know some sanctuaries or not sanctuaries, some parks there that... It's mixed feelings on how they're treated. Like we use one park in Bali and they offer elephant riding there, but we actually don't allow our guests. We don't offer those packages. So we like to give more of a wash and a bath. I think that's something that's more, and it's more exciting. I don't know. I never thought riding on an elephant was so special, interesting. Like I'd rather be In in the lake with them, like swimming with them or washing them or feeding them. So for us, that was more like a personal preference. But it's just one of those things that I just always felt was a bit cruel. But again, you you do have experts that will say like, you know, riding an elephant actually doesn't doesn't hurt them. But I think for overall, in, in terms of us as a tour operator, we really want to be responsible with the local communities, right? It's something that we only support locally owned restaurants as well. So, of course, we, we don't, we don't, we're not against foreigners or whatever, but people that have like, you know, a local war rung, which is like a local restaurant in Bali or, you know, a sh- or a local shop or whatever, we're going to really try to support them first because those communities are the ones that, you know, can support the tourism, and if they're not making any money, you know, then they're not going to be able to be around for a while. And one of the big dilemmas Bali had a couple of years ago was a lot of the Chinese tourists were coming over, but they were only going to Chinese-owned shops, Chinese-owned restaurants, and basically, not the economy never got any of that money at the local economy. So, you know, for us, I think it's something that animal welfare is super important. You know, we we, we check all of the places, any any sanctuaries or elephant parks, you know, to make sure everything our kind of standards and then also in terms of just how we support our suppliers or all of our suppliers are local it's just really important to us i think when we're starting to build a bigger company and we have to be responsible because if we're not going to do it then you know the travelers a lot of them just don't know they don't they don't think about this kind of stuff so it's important for us to kind of pave the way for that
1: just a question about and i think i might know the answer to this your company just offers tours right so you don't have any partners or affiliates with travel agents or airline companies or hotels where, you know, you recommend a particular airline. Do you do any of that sort of stuff or is it just basically tours at the moment?
2: Yeah. So I think we're looking to start to get into that right now. It's mainly tours. So I've always wanted to stay away from travel. Like I never wanted to, we never wanted to be a travel agent like booking hotels and flights and all that stuff. And kind of more recently we are we slowly getting nudged that way because we have a lot of guests that want us to kind of own the whole experience Because the worst thing you want to do is talk to somebody about flights and then talk to somebody else about hotels and tours. People just want one point of contact, right? So for us, we do have partnerships with travel agents. Um, We're starting to go more of that B2B route now. Before, it was mainly just direct-to-consumer. And now, you know, we have a handful of travel agents that we work with. And we work with some local hotels in Bali. But we're not working with any of the big you know, luxury brands for agents or flights or hotels. But it's definitely something in the future that we'd we'd want to. But we are getting more attention from travel agents now who would like to use us as their supplier in Bali and Thailand and Vietnam, etc.
1: Now, at this stage, we might just take a quick break. And when we come back, I've got a few more questions about costs to Ben and the website and the blog and Forever Vacations, their future as a company and any particular advice about tours that Ben would like to enrich us with. So we'll just be right back after this break. Okay. Welcome back. We have Ben from Forever Vacations, who is a travel tour company that organizes tours in various countries, mainly in Southeast Asia, but also expanding around the world. And the reason I've got Ben onto the podcast is because I went with their tours with my family in Thailand and I found the experience amazing. And I found the experience very easy and very bespoke. And I think generally speaking, if I like a service and I think that should be you know, promoted, then I will be inviting them onto the podcast. And in fact, this is the first time I've kind of done this. Again, disclosure, I don't own anything from Forever Vacations. I'm not related to the company. I was their guest. And also, um, Ben is not sponsoring this episode. He's not paying me for any of this. This is just organic. I just randomly contacted him after using their service. So really appreciate Ben taking his time out of his day to join us question about cost right so most of my listeners I'd like to say are not terribly cost conscious in fact the particularly when it comes to traveling and experiences most of my listeners are absolute stingers when it comes to paying investment fees right so we love to you know reduce our investment costs our fees and expense ratios so we are stingy when it comes to that when it comes to money when it comes to investments but certainly when experiences happen, most of my listeners, we don't really mind paying that little bit extra. And I noticed that your tours are a little bit more expensive than the average tours with you know similar destinations. So how do you price your products and why is it that little bit more expensive? I think you might have covered some of that earlier about all inclusiveness, but perhaps talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Deb. So I, we, we get this a lot at first. You know, it's, it's funny people... People might ask, "Oh, I, I see you're a bit expensive. We had somebody on the other day that was like, you know, we had a tour that's 109 a person and and then they wrote to us, they're like, do you price match? I see the same tour for $30." And I'm like, no, we don't price match and B, that's definitely not the same tour. So I think, you know, the old adage kind of you get what you pay for. So initially, when you look at our rates, I think we'll generally be a bit higher. We're mid to higher level. We're not luxury tours. However, we are having a luxury brand that's going to be starting soon, actually. But when we're looking at pricing our tours, we, we really want to, you know, we, we tend not to focus on or compete on price, but more about quality and the experience. So we're not looking at budget travelers. That's not our market. You know, our market is more of the middle to high segment that want unique kind of bespoke experiences that want convenience, that don't want any hassle, that don't want to have to wait for other people or, or be told what to do or how long they can stay for. So I think for us, the other thing is too, is when you look at that initial price, people don't always see like what's included. And like we talked a little bit before, A lot of our prices, actually, if you actually compare them, they're actually not as high as people would think when you actually look at what's all included, right? So maybe a tour in our Bali Instagram tour might be 109 per person. And then they see something else where it's like $80 a person with a competitor. But that competitor doesn't include the $10 entrance fee to the Gates of Heaven or the the lunch or the entrance ticket for the swing. So when it all adds up, I would definitely say where we tend to be a bit higher, but one thing we can promise is you're going to get an amazing experience. You're going to get, you know, it's it's super personable. Private tours too, you know, a lot of these other tours that may be cheaper would be group tours. So I think for us, our price, and we, we want to be in that higher echelon. We want, we want to attract those kind of guests that aren't super price conscious, but they care more about the experience and the quality of, of that day they're going to have.
1: Right. I mean, for me personally, if it means that I'm paying a little bit higher price and it means I'm getting you know, a better quality service, but also a business or the focus is on the local people. And it means that I'm supporting the local businesses. It means that I'm not unnecessarily causing havoc to the local wildlife. That to me is a valuable experience as opposed to you know paying the cheapest possible price and just focusing on that. And I think most of the listeners to my podcast would be Probably in a similar sort of boat. Happy to pay that little bit extra and making sure that everything kind of goes to plan. I notice on your website you have a blog and you put up updates about local areas. Is that something intended for people wanting to research about the local areas? I mean, what's the function of the blog? Is that something that you update? quite regularly? or We're definitely
2: pushing more content now. So we're trying to be more of a content-based company. So for us, right, we could have the best tour in the world, but if nobody knows about it or if you don't find it, right, then what's the point of it? How are we going to have a successful business? How are we going to support the local community, et cetera, right? So, Why you found us too? As you said, you you saw us at the top of Google when you searched, right? So we're we're spending a lot of money and time into, like I said, SEO, search engine optimization, and ads. So for us, the blog is a great way. It's a great touch point to get people into kind of our world. So when they're coming into, let's say you're typing in, you know, top. Or best uh, family friendly tours in Phuket. We might come up there in Google in the top search. They click on it, come over to our blog. They're going to get a lot of great information. But we're also going to, you know, we're going to be able to try to cross promote you other tours. Maybe you're reading that article, then all of a sudden you say, "Oh, looking to book a tour with your family? Click here!" Right, and we're showing them tours. So our blog is a, it's a, it's really our number one way bringing in organic traffic, new people to our site. And then from there, we might throw in the pop up if they want to, you know, uh, save. on a couple tours or maybe get a free, you know, Bali or. Malaysia checklist on what you need to prepare. So for us, it's not. It's really. It's more of like kind of like the initial way to get people into our site, and then we also use those blog posts as well. If people are asking us, you know, hey, we're coming to Bali. We already booked a couple of your tours. What's a few hotels, luxury hotels that you recommend? We might give them one of our articles. So all of our articles are written in house. Um, I used to write in Malapa. Now we have digital marketing uh, manager and we have a product manager that does the content as well. So it's all written by with a team of... A mix of our local experts, our tour guides, and then with our our content writers. So it's all good content, and I think um, for us, it's it, you know serves two approaches: one, how to get our existing customers more information to help make their trip better, and also how to attract new customers into into Forever Vacation.
1: Right. Um, I'm actually part of a Facebook group where a lot of the members actually travel really well. I mean, they they stay in mostly luxury hotels and mostly travel business or first class. You did mention that you are going to get a partner in that luxury hotel space. Are you allowed to tell the audience who that luxury chain of hotels would be or you much prefer not to talk about it?
2: So we can't really disclose who it is yet, but... What we are doing now is we have a lot of local partnerships. Like, for example, maybe the Intercontinental in Bali. We don't have anything yet that's public yet, that's in terms of like, that's global, right? So, even though IHG is global, we don't have any kind of partnerships with them at, at this time. So, what we're doing more is more local partnerships in each of the countries. But we are working now, and our sales manager has been working really hard to try to close a global chain that would be something where if we worked, we'd be able to get in all of, you know, across Southeast Asia. So, it's something that we're we'll working on. It's difficult because the hotels don't always see value sometimes in working with a tour operator. Sometimes they have their own transportation, so they're trying to sell the stuff as well. But we are we are releasing. One thing I can say is we are releasing. Hopefully in April, it's going to be called Forever Vacation Lux. We are getting into super luxury trips with helicopters and private elephant walks in the jungle and um, you know yachts. So. When that happens, I think then a lot of new opportunities will, ha- will, will happen and a lot of doors will open with, with some of these hotels and travel agents.
1: That sounds exciting. And, and that goes to the next question, which is your company's future. You've sort of already elaborated on what your plans are. In terms of your company's future, are you still- still thinking majority of the times you're going to be sticking to the Indian subcontinent or Southeast Asia or are you also looking at Western Europe, for example?
2: Yeah, we have our days and our weeks where, you know, Jamie and I, we're, we're obviously still very involved in the company and You know, it's a lot of it is. We have an amazing team, but a lot of it is obviously our vision on where we want to go next. Uh, We just opened up Sri Lanka, so it's still in our in that that range. But we are we have been talking about looking at at Europe as well. So it's one of the things where I think we have a really good product. I think we have a great team, a great customer service team. One of the things too that you see is like for you when you went to Bangkok and then you went to Phuket, you got to talk to the same people. Which is mm. I, which I think is super interesting and convenient, right? Imagine if you do the same thing where you went to you went to Bangkok, you went to Phuket, and then you went to Rome, and you got to talk to the same people, right? And of course, different guides, but the same people. And I think there's there's some value in that. We already have all you know your information that you need. We already know your preferences. We already know your allergies. So I think um, for us. As we start to scale in seven countries now, but we would love to get out to Europe, hopefully maybe in Q4 this year with a couple of launch destinations and then start to to develop there. The difference is just the logistics, right? So now we have to have different shifts of working and there's still a lot that's involved, but it's definitely something that we're excited about. And then the other thing we really want to get into is is more luxury luxury tours as well, too. We're, we're at the premium level, I would say, now, but we want to get into... Real authentic luxury. Fantastic.
1: That's great. Now, probably one of my last questions before we finish up. Most of my episodes, we talk about money, we talk about investing, we talk about wealth. You're really the first guest so far that we haven't really talked about money very much. You come from a background of wealth management and finances. How do you invest your money? What's
2: your sort of general advice or probably not advice, but what do you do? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think. So I'm 37 now. I feel like I've been pretty financially free for a while. I, I had um, one of my first startups I had when I was 23. We ended up selling it a couple of years later and made a good chunk of money there. And then, you know, had a lot of different startups that I worked on. But for me, you know, I've always been just diversifying for I've heard a couple of your podcasts as well, too, where you talk about like your savings rate. You know, for me, whatever we're bringing in, we're generally trying to save. We can we live a a good lifestyle, but we we can you know, we're still saving 40, 50 percent, 60 percent of income that's coming in as well. So diversifying into mutual funds, stocks, real estate, cryptocurrency as well. But yeah, just having something, in, in you know. High yielding stocks too, to getting dividends as well. So having passive income um, for us, it's and for me specifically, it's really important to have that freedom that I can have travel, I can do what I want, but I still have money coming in where I'm not always having to either be at the computer or being in an office. So, you know, passive income um, is, is super important for us as, as, as well.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, exchanging time for money, most people think is not a financial transaction, but it is a financial transaction. You are exchanging time for money. Time is a form of financial transaction. It's great to see an entrepreneurship like yourself, you know, selling a couple of companies prior to starting your latest company. It's nice to see success upon success. And look, I mean, it's it's also good to come out of this pandemic roaring with opportunity and and guests and customers. Because the appetite—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm in Australia. I'm based in Melbourne. The appetite for Australians to travel abroad is just uh, intense. Number one travel destination, I would think, from Australia is in Southeast Asia, mostly to Bali, lot to Vietnam, lot to Thailand, Phuket, Bangkok. So well, Aussies do spend a lot of money. I think I think I saw. I think the stats are something like a hundred thousand Australians travel to Bali every month, or something like that, post pandemic. And um, we have multiple direct flights going there. Do a lot of Americans travel to Bali? Because I thought most Americans would travel to either South of America, so Mexico, Costa Rica, um, you know, all you know, the Caribbean, for example. Do a lot of them travel, sort of, I suppose, west to Southeast Asia?
2: Yeah. So I think you know, for us. It's actually our still number one market. So fifty percent, forty five percent of our guests are from the U.S. Of course, more Americans are traveling to Costa Rica and places like that. But Bali is a is a hotspot globally. It's very famous now, especially with all the photos posted on Instagram and whatnot of you know Lempuyang Temple or Nusa Penida. So for us, our our top four markets are U.S. Then Australia is right. Below that, and then uh, UK and Canada. So, still tons of Americans are coming out there. It's a good market for us.
1: That's really interesting. I would not have thought that uh, 50% of your guests are American. That's fascinating because, I mean, to get to Bali from the
2: United States,
1: yeah, I would have thought, is, is there any direct flights or is it, do you have to go
2: via no. like a center no. or? Yeah. Yeah. You're going into either like Doha or you're going into Japan, it's a one to two stop flight and it's a 24 to 30 hour uh, travel time. Yeah. It's a hike.
1: Wow. Okay. So for Aussies, I think it's about six hours straight, six to seven hours right. straight flight. Right. So that cause I mean, that, I always find it surprising that that in Southeast Asia, there's there's quite a lot of North American travelers and I always wonder, wow, they must be hiking. It's kind yeah. of like Aussies going to Europe, right? Because, Like in North America, (laughs) you know, from New York City to Heathrow, you probably got 20 flights a day or something, whereas an Aussie trying to get to London, it's such a pain in the ass. You go via Dubai Mm -hmm. or Singapore or Doha or something like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So for us, Europe is kind of like you guys coming over to the Indian subcontinent or to Asia Pacific, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Now, Ben, we have thousands of listeners to this episode. Many of our listeners are avid travellers and they're always keen to explore new locations, you know, have a bespoke experience like what your company offers. What would be something that, you know, my listeners if they're organizing tours, if they're looking for tour companies, if they're looking for places to tour around, what are some of the things that we should be watching out for? and some of the things that we should think about in preparing to book a tour or selecting a company, for example?
2: Yeah, I think you can't go wrong with any of the places in Southeast Asia in terms of, you know, Bali or Thailand or Vietnam. Vietnam's a gorgeous country. My wife is actually Vietnamese. You know, Vietnam gets a bad rap from the U.S. because of the war, but it's a beautiful country. You know, you can't. I don't think you're going to go wrong with those any of those places. I think the biggest thing when you're starting to plan, really, you know, you, you do your research, you got to definitely do your research, but I think when you're choosing a company, it really comes down to, I'm a big believer just in the communication and how they talk to you. Like, are are they willing to put in time to help you even before you pay them? Right? Will they answer a few questions for you or help you out before you actually give them money? Whereas some people are just you know money driven and that's it, or some people actually are super excited to welcome you into their into their home country and, and show you around. I think when you're looking, you know, when you're when you're starting to plan, you need to find a reputable company that can help you try to plan multiple trips for you. I think when you booked dev I don't know I know you looked at our website and you were able to pick a few tours and we we're able to arrange everything for you which I think was was helpful but you know if you're staying in Bali there's you know you can stay there 7 to 10 days and not get bored there's a lot to do. So I think finding one company that you really trust that can help plan multiple Kind of tours for you, and I think there's value in that as well too. Is once somebody's been with you for a bit as a guest, you kind of know their preferences, and you can help them. Just like if you stay if you're a rewards member for Bonvoy or for IHG, same thing with your preferences when you're at a high floor or what kind of bed you like. So I think you know finding a really good company that can that can help you throughout your whole trip. I think reviews are super important, you know, and not just star reviews, but look at the comments. There's a lot of fake reviews, unfortunately, in this industry as well too. When you're looking at reviews, I think it's super. Or don't look at the star ratings as much of course it's a great indicator but dig deeper into the reviews and like really see what people are writing you know see how they're talking see how they're talking about the company the guides the team you get a lot of a lot of insight into that yeah and i think you know other than that i said be open-minded try new things and and uh, i think you're going to have a great time
1: fantastic look i am mean 2023 we have a lot of travel planned this year and um you know i'll be, I'll be going to singapore shortly uh, going to um, Europe uh, mid-year and then um, hopefully some of the uh, Pacific countries as well. And then next year, we're going back to Southeast Asia. I'm actually planning, uh, looking at your website to plan some tours in Vietnam, hopefully nice. um, for next year as well. Appreciate and and um, hopefully off to Western Europe next year as well. So we're we really committed, certainly in my family, really committed to spending a lot of time and effort to traveling. You and I know the last sort of couple of years has been absolutely horrendous in terms of traveling. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, and I really appreciate Ben from Forever Vacations coming on the show and taking the time to explain, you know, some of the products and how it works at Forever Vacations and how local tour guides operate, etc., and and what's the relationship between the guides and Ben as a business owner. If anyone is interested in organising a tour, I'll put a link in the show notes, and uh, feel free to contact them and get some. Information They've got a wonderful website and a great blog as well for you to follow. Now, just a reminder, I love five-star reviews as well, not just for every vacation. So if you like what I do, if you like the episodes, if you like the channel, don't hesitate to leave a five-star rating on all of the podcasting platforms as you wish to use. And also leave a really great positive review because that review helps people understand what this channel is all about. And also gets more listeners in. And we're sort of all about providing financial literacy and getting interesting guests on board as well. So, my name is Devraga, and this is My Millennium Money Professional. And once again, thank you, Ben from Forever Vacations, for coming on board. And until next time, please make sure you stay safe. We acknowledge the Awabakal
3: people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast.